Hello and welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor, and I want to bring you the greatest things that I can to help you have the most insights about how to have the best life. And you know that because maybe you're returning to hear more podcasts, so something has been of value to you, and more value will certainly be added today as I talk with my guest, Dr. Marsha Reynolds. We're going to have a great conversation about her book, Outsmart Your Brain. That's exciting, right? You want to know how to do that. And we have so many insights for you. So stay tuned. Welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. If you're ready to increase your confidence in conversations and conflict, deepen your self-awareness, expand your connectedness, and enrich your relationship with yourself and other humans you care about, and even those you wish you didn't, you're in the right place. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome. Today, my guest is Dr. Marsha Reynolds. I'm so excited. We've waited for this interview and, and to get the time because Dr. Marsha Reynolds travels out of the United States nearly every month because she's busy on boards and doing things in Russia and China and all over the place. So let me tell you a little bit about her before we start. She's going to show you how to become the master of your choices and not the victim of your reactive brain. Yeah, we all have one of those if we're not awake, right? We have a reactive brain. She's the president of her own coaching and consulting and leadership development firm called Co-Visioning. And she delivers those programs, as I said, worldwide. And she's in addition to a doctorate in organizational psychology and two master's degrees in communication and adult learning. She's a master's certified coach. In fact, one of the first and was instrumental in bringing all of that to light in the world and shining light on what it is to actually be a master certified coach. So please join me in welcoming Dr. Marsha Reynolds. Thank you, Roberta. It's good to be here. It's so good to be here. I am glad you think so, too, because I'm excited to have this conversation. I love the title of one of your books, Outsmart Your Brain, How to Master Your Mind When Emotions Take the Wheel, because, yeah, we want to feel our emotions. Yes, we want to be in touch with that, but we don't want to be out of balance, do we? Uh, no, and your brain will throw you out of balance uh, many times if you aren't, you know, fully aware and can manage that. Yes, and we want to be conscious of what's going on. So that's why this is a great conversation for us to be having because mm -hmm. we need to be awake and aware and alive and alert. Mm -hmm. And that's the opportunity of becoming more and more conscious, more aware every day so that we can actually have the best life possible. Yeah. And yeah, we throw that phrase around, you know, have the best life possible, isn't it? And so many people's marketing. But what do you think it really means to have the best life possible? Um, 
Well, you, it's an interesting thing when you're talking about emotions. We're talking about the best life based on our inner state. And um, most people honestly aren't aware of what's going on inside of them on a regular basis. Uh, you know, we recognize big fear and, and big excitement, but the little emotions that, that really master our brains on, uh, constantly, we're not aware of. And so when that happens, we don't have choice. You know, there was this book bit written by a neuroscientist based on called Free Will, and he questioned, do we really have free will? And he said, if you do not practice this regularly, you don't. And so your brain creates the environment that you live in based on uh, how you're feeling in the moment. But when we can recognize what's going on, then we do have choice. And I can either look out my window and say, oh, it's really awfully hot and humid outside. Or I could say, I'm so grateful I get to live in this beautiful place where I have this mountain outside my window and I'm just, mm, my life is so rich. And that's what makes that wonderful life that we live in. Mm-hmm. And I love, I love that idea of free will because we also throw that around. Oh, well, it's your choice. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, of course it is your choice. But mm-hmm. if you're not awake, the choices that you make will be patterned and they'll be pre-patterned and you'll be going down the path that was set out for you perhaps even in childhood. I know with my work, I'm I'm always helping people look to see where the patterns came from. I'm sure you do too. Mm-hmm. And why would we accept this? And I I liked what you said in the um, and when I was reading your book, Outsmart Your Brain, because I wondered, and it bears on what we're talking about now, why do you think we are willing to settle for a safe and suffocating world? Yeah. Why, why is that? Yeah, isn't that? Well, you know, it's an interesting thing because those are two concepts, safe and suffocating. So it's almost as if we will tolerate uh, a suffocating, horrible environment, mm-hmm. just because it's safe. So um, why people don't step out of uh, uh, jobs, relationships, things that are suffocating them, taking the life out of them, is not only uh, is it questioning uh, uh, you know, safety, but, but you start to question, who will I be if I change this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and... and Will I be successful? Will I fail? And and those questions, we don't consciously ask them, but they're there, and then they take over our choices. And that kind of leads to your other book, all the way, that was quite unintentional, which is that we're, we're almost comfortable living in the discomfort zone, right? <laughs> well, it's like we don't even recognize it. Isn't that amazing, though, Roberta, the, how much pain... Uh, uh, tolerance we have um, just because we want to say stay safe um, one of when I coach people one of my favorite questions is uh, so what are the consequences honestly about you making the choice and it's amazing that people don't even think about it it's like well I haven't thought about it you know and and then the question is well how likely I mean what's the worst case scenario and how likely is that gonna happen you know, we catastrophize everything until we put it out in front of us and say, oh, 
well, here's what I want to do. And here's, eh, this could happen. Right. This could happen. And also this could happen. But we don't do that well when we try to sort it out in our own brains. No. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, using the word tolerating, mm -hmm. you know, my work is about helping people recognize and stop tolerating emotional abuse. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing, you know, when we're, whether it's physical self-care, emotional, spiritual, mental self-care, mm -hmm. um, no matter what it is, the question remains the same. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that you deserve mm. to have a different way of responding to life so that you will then feel differently? Well, you know, that's so important that do, you, do I deserve this? What is my worth? And uh, we're awful. <laughs> and yeah, it's, well, this is good enough. How lucky I am to have this. So I'm going to stay with this because... We're also master rationalizers so that I'm going to stay with this because, you know, for the children, for, uh, because it doesn't work now. Um, when I left my last job, I was starting my business and, and I knew I needed to end my relationship because it was suffocating me. He was uh, just getting angrier and angrier and squeezing the life out of me. Um, and uh, people kept telling me, well, you can't do both, you know, start a new business and end your relationship. Um, yes, you can. <laughs> yeah, I believed it. I'm like, okay, I'll wait, a, you know, wait a while. And, and then finally I was talking to my coach and I said, I, I got, I have to end this. And he says, okay, give me the date. And I went, oh, and so I did. <laughs> It was that easy and I didn't even realize it. Right. And all of a sudden it was real. Like there's a date. Yeah. Right. Instead of, oh, I have to put it off till this and I have to wait till this and, you know, set the date. Yeah. Well, I, you know, you use the term rationalize, how we'll rationalize things. I think we also justify them in the same way. Like, yes. okay, I'm doing this because, mm -hmm. um, and, and it's okay because, and then we give 20 or 30 other statements to say that I can make a great case for staying in this, even though it's hurting me. And then we get to the deserving question. And the answer is, oh, but they deserve something too. Yeah. <laughs> deserve me to be sacrificing myself here on the altar and being cut open and bleeding because you know, they haven't had anything in their life. Not my circus, not my monkeys, folks, right? <laughs> Isn't that amazing, though, how much we gain from being the martyr? Yeah. Yeah. And And if you bring it up, you know, that sounds a bit like a martyr. Is that what you're saying? Oh, no, no. I am just a compassionate, empathic yeah. person. Yeah, right. right. And this whole thing, Marsha, I'm really interested in your take on this. Um because I work with the partners, the exes, and the adult children, co-workers, and all of people that I call hijackles, the relentlessly difficult, toxic people in life, mm -hmm. I will often have people say, well, um, I understand that you know, they need empathy, and I am an empath. And, you know, when Judith Orloff kind of put this out there and made us into empaths, a part of me went, oh, that's okay. And then a part of me went, ah, oh, no, not so okay. 
And so I see in all these groups on Facebook and everything where people are saying, oh, but I'm an empath, as though that's like, woohoo, I won the lottery. <laughs> Instead of, oh, maybe I should have a yeah. look at that. What do you think? Well, you know, Brene Brown did a great little video on the difference between sympathy and empathy. Right. And, um, and I actually wrote a psychology today post on when too much empathy is not good for you. Yeah. And, you know, there's a difference between, uh, you know, what I'm trained as a coach is to receive what you're giving me to, uh, you know, to, to see that you're having an emotion, you're going through this reaction and I understand it. And then I process it quickly through me and give it back to you and just share with you, is this your experience? And that's empathy, is that I can understand your experience. But the moment that I live your experience, yes. you know, then all of a sudden I'm living your drama and taking on the responsibility for what you have. And I think people confuse that um, I'm an empath with, um, with being, uh, just, uh, what's the word, a sponge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's the old thing. You know, if your friend is in a sinking boat, do you jump in with them? Yeah. You know, maybe right. not. Maybe that's not the wisest thing to go down mm -hmm. with them. And that's the fear in this thing. And somehow there's righteousness in it. Somehow there's always oh, mm -hmm. such a good thing. Mm -hmm. I think people need to be really careful about that. Yes. I'm so sensitive. Um, yeah. That's yes. Absolutely. You know, and, and then, you know, we have this phenomenon of highly sensitive people. And then that spills over into the empath world. And then, what is my nature? Um, well, who developed that nature? Mm -hmm. uh, who's in charge of that nature? Mm -hmm. Those are awarenesses, aren't they, Marcia? Like, yeah. I'm aware that I have a tendency mm -hmm. to be overly empathetic, perhaps mm -hmm. might be something that comes up. Is that healthy for me? Does it help other people? Is that how I want to be? Is that how I want to self-identify? Mm -hmm. You know, important questions. Well, and I think one of the main questions you asked in that group is, is that helpful for them? You know, because we think it's being helpful, but how is it helpful? You know, because we aren't then helping them move forward. We're just saying, oh, it's okay you feel that way. Well, that's not helpful. Then they stay stuck, you know. But if I release, if I don't get stuck in your emotions and I can help you think through it and to see what possibilities you really have, um, because I'm not stuck in your drama, I can do that. And that's far more helpful than for me living in that space with you. Yes. Oh, such a great conversation. I'm talking to Dr. Marsha Reynolds. If you want to learn more about her, go to outsmartyourbrain.com and then do a Google search and find out all these wonderful articles and things that she's provided for us so that you can know more about what she's talking about and more depth about that subject. So, why do you think it is that we do what I kind of think of as pseudo self-care? It's not wrong. It's not bad. It's a good start. But we kind of think it's the whole package when it's really the tip of the iceberg. So we may go out and get a massage and a manicure, but we don't address or manage uh, what it is that caused us to be in this situation. We're just looking for relief from it. What do you think about that? Oh, absolutely. Actually, at the end of... Um outsmart your brain there's this whole self-care checklist and um 
it, it looks at not just the physical. I mean, you're just talking about the physical manifestation <laughs> of all the stuff that's going on, but um, all the things that trigger uh, our emotions and then uh, our muscles to tighten and uh, our, our immune system to weaken uh, things like you know difficulties in our relationships and the stress that causes financial problems and then there's that sense of well-being and are we taking care of ourselves and I learned this uh, you know way back in my coach training that if I don't take care of myself I can't be a good coach and so things like even do I am I sleeping on a good mattress <laughs> do I have good sheets I mean these are things we don't think about but yet they affect you know our sleep affects our capacity for uh, being with others in a really healthy way. Um, how we eat, how we exercise. You know, we have to take care of um, our inner state our, and our well-being. Uh, you mentioned earlier the, um, uh, our, our spirituality, um, whatever that faith is, that we have something we believe in and hold on to. All of that is critical. Um, and if you have that in place, you're going to have less stress in your body and, and paying all that money for constant massages. <laughs> yes. And, you know, for me, because I, in, uh, rather than being a coach, I'm a therapist. So I look at it from my, the hat that I have on, mm -hmm. um, I'm all for the massages and the manicures and the timeout and the saying to yourself by doing that, that this is a good thing. But then let's always, and I'm sure you do this too, let's look at why, why do I need this? And am I doing a Band-Aid approach by having these things? Am I forestalling further damage? Or am I actually ready and willing to look at the underlying things. Like I had a coach come into my practice last night and she's very well educated and all on top of it. But she said, I've, I've read your books. I've been, I think I listened to every podcast episode, she said. And so I have been waiting to actually work with you to heal and then from that healing place be able to create healthy patterns mm -hmm. and I was applauding wildly because she was saying basically in our context of our conversation the manicures and the massages are not cutting it because all they're doing is not enough to mean that I don't need more manicures and more massages and, mm -hmm. and all of that. I am we really willing to look and go through the process. And sometimes it's difficult, arduous, sometimes we don't like it, but that I'm worth that. That's the yes. real self-care, isn't it? Absolutely. That I'm worth that. And if you do that, then uh, you can truly enjoy uh, the massage. It's not working out the pain. It's about then, you know, uh, another human that's, that's taking care of you yeah. and to, the pleasure in that. And, um, and that I can have nice toes in the summertime. <laughs> you know? um, and part of that is because my work is really an, enriching and, and I like to give myself that gift. And so it becomes a gift and not um, because I have to take care of myself because everything is horrible. Right. It's, not a, it's not a job. It's mm -hmm. not a should. Mm -hmm. You know, if anything becomes a should, it's worth having a look at, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I've written about that too, that word should. 
it's like who says who says <laughs> who are they yeah oh, <laughs> right are you letting the shoulds run your life <laughs> yeah that's right and and you know that other phrase that everybody finds so amusing is don't let other people should on you yeah should on you right <laughs> right well and there's another word that i'm always listening for because on once i hear it i know that the fear is going to show up right afterward and it's the word but Yes, of course. Yes, I'm going to yeah. do that. But yeah, but I, I can say I can <laughs> say that the, rationalization. Yeah, right. And I can say the good part that I know I want to be true, and mm -hmm. then I'll give you the rationalization and justification why it can't happen. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So let's just take that part of the sentence off and look at this. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And I was, again, with the client last night and, and something I usually do, somebody will say something. For instance, here's an example. A client said to me last week, we were about three quarters of the way through the session. So we we churned up a lot of things. And I said, tell me how you see yourself in that relationship. Mm. And she started to stumble. And then she said, well, I've always been the caretaker of others' emotions. Oh. <laughs> Right? Wow, now there's a yeah, an identity. Why well, clear identity and, and always, the word always, so as far back as she can remember. Wow, how entrenched is that? Yes, and she's only twenty-five years old. Oh my and so I was like, Yay! <laughs> that's come out at twenty-five. Many people don't see mm -hmm. it till forty-five. They may not do anything about it till fifty-five. Mm -hmm. And here she said, No. I can't believe I said that. I said, well, I wrote it down. Yeah. I will not forget that. Yeah. Um, you know, if that's the way you want to identify, oh, no, I don't. She said, okay, great. Yeah. So let's talk about this whole phenomenon of positive self-talk mm -hmm. and, you know, how trendy it is, how trendy it's been. Now we, you know, all the affirmation things, everything, um, all of that. Why do you think it's not effective? Yeah. You know, that was one of the things that uh, came out when they finally were able to um, scan the brain and see how we process information. You know, prior to that, we thought, oh, I think a thought, you know, and then it permeates uh, my being and that's how I act. So if I change my thoughts, I change my behavior. And what was discovered, it was like, no, <laughs> everything that, you know, you perceive um, and bring in travels through two emotional centers before it ever hits the brain. So it's totally filtered and uh, d uh, disrupted before it, we actually have the thought. So, you know, the example I always give is um, while you're driving and you're out in traffic and you're late for an appointment and, and it's like you didn't expect this and where these people come from and you're totally impatient and you tell yourself, oh, be patient. How long will that last? <laughs> you, know, so you must shift your emotions first. It's not I think, therefore I am. It's I feel, therefore I think, therefore I am. Mm -hmm. So if I put on some music or, you know, if I've got uh, something that reminds me of, of someone I love, um, or for me, it's my cat. <laughs> and you know and then again look at um, the beautiful blue sky that I have then I get to live in and I start to shift to feel those emotions and all of a sudden it's like oh whatever I'll be late you know so it's it's we, we give too much power to our thoughts 
when it's the emotions that allow us to shift the thoughts um, that we can then master how we respond to our situations. Yes, which brings up the the understanding that what you want is mm-hmm. informative, mm-hmm. right? If, if, if I say to a client, well, where would you like to be at the end of our sessions together? Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, I don't know. I just want yeah, to know where I, I am. am. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, so that's not as helpful yeah. as saying, mm-hmm. this is what I'm moving toward, which is the phrase I always use yeah. with them. What are you moving toward? Let's, oh, that's great. You know, let's let's just draw a box around that so we know what our target is, and mm-hmm. it's movable, it's changeable. We might have different ideas as we work together, but mm-hmm. what are we moving towards? I love that. Yeah, yeah, I have a new podcast starting in September. It's called Focus on Forward. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, fuel for a fearless future, mm-hmm. and. And I think that it's really important for us to focus on forward as well as do the work that, you know, I help people do, which is look backward and come up to the moment. But um, and the work that you do, which is where are you and where do you want to go? Um, it, it's so important. And I think that this brain work that you were talking about, when you actually realize that it's not doing um, constantly affirming what it is you want. It is re- re- going back and realizing, well, how do I feel about that? When, where did it hit me in a feeling center? And then what, spa- what thoughts did it spawn? And what happened from there? And then how did I feel? And the back and forth movement. Is mm-hmm. that how you see it? Yeah. Well, you know, that's a, it's an interesting question, uh, you know, that people don't even know what they want to create um, yeah. or what it is they really want. And I say that when I teach coaching that, well, you know, people often don't know what they want, that it comes out within the conversation. Just like you said with the woman uh, who said, well, I've you know been an emotional caretaker all my life. And she's like, oh. you know, that's that breakthrough moment that we don't do on our own, that it, it, it requires that inquiry process. Mm-hmm. Um, like you provide, uh, you know, f- for the people who work with you to, to, we call it peeling the onion to really look, you know, and take off this stuff to see, oh, that's what you really want, <laughs> you know, and, and what does that look like for you in this life you're creating, you know, so they may not be able to see um, the full vision in the future, but that's why I, I like your forward question. And, 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 you know, that's so interesting because there's a, uh, out of a, a university in Cleveland, they've written this book and they said, all coaching must have, the people must have a clear vision of where they're going in order to be coached. And I'm like, sometimes they don't. <laughs> they need to be coached to find the vision of where they want to go. <laughs> and if you say that has to be at the beginning of the session, then you're limiting. Um, and then they'll come up with something that's not real for them. You know, it's, it's what they should. <laughs> be doing yeah. and and how they want to please you by having an answer to your question yes <laughs> right pleasing the, pleasing the therapist pleasing the coach that often goes on especially i'm going to track it back when you take on their emotions too much and they see you're in discomfort then they're going to want to take care of you <laughs> <laughs> and at that moment a wise coach or a wise therapist or mental health professional says 
let's turn that around and go back there for a moment. <laughs> no, we're not, we're not going to go there. So these are difficult conversations we have with ourselves. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we have to have difficult conversations with other humans. Mm-hmm. And, of course, with my work, I'm always dealing with people who are daily having conversations with other difficult humans. So, therefore, yeah. a difficult human is going to often create a difficult conversation. So, I know that you have some wisdom about how to prepare for a difficult conversation. And I just want to get that in before we end our time together. Sure. Right. This came out of my research for, for the discomfort zone, the, my last book. And, um, uh, you know, there's part of it is recognizing that if you're going to have a, 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 an effective, difficult conversation, then the person has to feel safe with you. Otherwise, you're just going to get into arguments and defensiveness. So you have to create a safe environment. And the first thing is choosing how you want to feel. So you can't go into this conversation angry, disappointed, upset with them because they're going to feel that energy and and resist you from the start. So can you feel um, curious and care? Can you feel calm and courageous? You know, choose one to two words that you want to feel before you go in. And then you want to be clear, you know, so there's emotional intention, emotional tone, and the intention of the conversation. Uh, and that comes back to what is it you want to create? Are you trying to change the person? Well, that's not going to work. <laughs> Are you trying to um, help them achieve a goal or achieve something you want together? Be clear on what is that would be uh, inspiring um, or at least desirable for the person you're with. What's the goal you both want? Um, and the third one is... Sometimes the toughest is, um, do you respect the person? Can you hold them in high regard? I mean, once you lose respect, it's difficult to have an effective, uncomfortable conversation. So it's emotional tone, the intention of what we're trying to create together, and uh, high regard and respect. Beautiful. And simple to remember because it's your preparation. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's a few other little bits that we need to consider, which is the timing. I mean, Mm -hmm. sometimes people try to have difficult conversations and they're both still in anger arousal. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) When I'm I'm teaching people about anger and, and how their anger works and how the brain does that and how the body reacts to anger arousal, and we think about when we're afraid, the body then goes into fainter or flee or flight, and the autonomic system then says, oh, in order to be safe, I need to bring all the blood down to keep the heart and lungs going. And we forget that that blood came from somewhere, not only our hands and feet, but it came from, yeah, our brain. And mm-hmm. so I often, you know, I used to teach anger management classes for the Superior Court, and um, I'd often say to them, like Ashley Brilliant did, when you're angry, you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yes. So because your brain did, you're somewhat brain dead right. because you're depleted. Right. The oxygenation of the brain is not allowing you to be nearly as clever as you think you're being. Right. Nearly as clear as you think you're being. So yeah. timing is a big deal. Mm-hmm. No. Maybe listeners need to know this, that if you have an altercation with someone and you get hot under the collar, whatever you know as really mad, 
Mm-hmm. Do you know that just if you were able to go off in a quiet, darkened room and just breathe and lie down and everything, do you know it can take up to two hours for your body to come back to where it's resting? Wow. Two hours. And then how many times do we have an argument with somebody and then we think we've cooled off and we go in, well, we should continue talking about this. <laughs> and timing, like timing is a really big part of this as well. Yeah. And it ties into your number three, which is that positive regard for the other person, the mm-hmm. respect. Um, there's, a, there's a spiritual book that I like and I don't like everything about it, but one one thing that particularly stood out that I did like, and it said, whoever most sane at the moment is responsible for the relationship. Oh, I love that. That's great. <laughs> so if if you're you're out of your angle or anger arousal and you see that your partner is still in it, then you can be sane enough to say, I don't think this is a good time to continue this conversation. Let's talk about it tomorrow. So timing is a big issue too. And for us to want to have positive conversations that are effective conversations Mm -hmm. about difficult things, we need to prepare. We need to be on top of it. And, And part of knowing how to express what you need and want and knowing um, how to give voice to what's okay with you is knowing your boundaries and expressing them, clarifying them, mm-hmm. and then maintaining them. So I know you have a model for boundaries, and I hope you'll share that with us. Yeah. Well, yeah, I actually learned this as a feedback model um, uh, many, many years ago, and it's, it has three steps, and it's called the AID model, A-I-D. Mm-hmm. Um, and it starts with being very clear about the action that the person did or the words that they said. Um, uh, like, for example, um, uh, when you interrupted me and, um, and force, forcefully gave me your opinion uh, in a long way, it totally shut me down. So you give the behavior, but then you give the impact. It totally shut me down, and I just didn't feel as if I was, I, I was a part of this conversation anymore. Mm-hmm. The more, more important part of this is the impact, not the behavior. And oftentimes we say, you did this and you shouldn't do it, but we don't say the impact. You know, or when you say that, do you recognize that it hurts me? Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the action and then the impact. And then um, set the boundary, make the request. So it's action, impact, desired behavior. So uh, in the future, what I would really like is if you could wait until I finish my idea before you give me yours, I'm more than happy to listen to yours. But if we're going to really have a conversation, we need to hear each other out. You know, so that would be the request. So the desired behavior is the request you want to make. And so you need to think before you, you yeah. say this, what is the request that I want to make based on the impact of the behavior that they did? Mm-hmm. And that will help you set the boundary. Great information. Do you know who created that model? No. Do you know? Um, no. Yeah, the way you said it, it sounds like you knew. <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, but it's very similar to some of the things I do, too, that I have created. And, you know, I one of the big questions that I tell people to ask themselves is, what do I want as a result of this exchange? Mm-hmm. 
Yes. You know, pre-pace what the conversation is yes. going to, the direction of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Because even if I'm, maybe I'm in a little anger arousal and I can stop and take a deep breath as mm-hmm. I'm listening to the other person and say, what do I want as a result of this exchange? Where would I like to be five minutes from now in this relationship wow. conversation? That you can feel so much better about yourself when you'll do that. Mm-hmm. Right, just so much Absolutely. better. Absolutely. And, and I really want to encourage everyone who's listening. First of all, of course, you're listening to Dr. Marsha Reynolds, and I want you to read her books, Outsmart Your Brain and The Discomfort Zone. You can learn more about that. She has a free gift for you, which is a an ebook. It's called From the Pits to the Peak, A New Look at Making Life Changes. Uh, you can find the link to that in the show notes below. So it's absolutely free and available to you it's her gift to you so that that's important for you to take advantage of if all that we're saying is of interest read her books you can always find her at outsmartyourbrain.com because these things are so available to you right you read her book and you say oh there's things that i need to learn from her and i will now go and learn further and that's the the joy of the world we live in, this digital world, that you can learn about someone, you can read their books, then you can say, now I know exactly with whom I need to work. Mm -hmm. And that's an important thing for us all to know. So this has been great. I think we could talk for a very long time. (laughs) And I hope that you'll come back in six months or so and we'll have another conversation. So thank you for being my guest. My guest, oh, you're so welcome. My guest, Dr. Marsha Reynolds at OutsmartYourBrain.com. You know, you can find me at TransformingRelationship.com. If you want to get a little closer to my work, come and be a member at OptimizeCircles.com, safely off social media where it works just like social media. So it's completely on my website. It's completely safe for you to discuss the hard, difficult, and elusive things in life that would make things better. So I'm so glad you've been with me today on Emotional Savvy and heard Dr. Marsha Reynolds. I hope you will come back, bring a few friends if you heard things of value here. If you have a topic you'd like me to discuss, jump into my Facebook group, um, Optimize Life, and we can hear about that. And until then, be kind to yourself. You know that you are precious. And if you don't, I'm telling you, and live as though you matter because you truly do. Talk soon. Thanks for being here for today's episode of Emotional Savvy. If you want to deepen your emotional savvy, make shifts in your relationships, and enjoy life and relationships more, work with me, Dr. Roberta Shaler. Get my books, enjoy my courses, or work with me directly. You can do that by visiting forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com, and subscribe to Tips for Relationships now. Don't miss a thing. Be empowered this week with more emotional savvy.